0: And the mouse keep running, running, and <humanitarian> running, running, and running, running, and running, running, and running, 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 And the mouse keep running, ( humanitarian) running, and running, running, and running, running, and running, running, and running, 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 And welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics podcast I'm one of your hosts, Jim I'll be joined later by my man Clay to go through a couple books And then I'll finish up the podcast All by my lonesome This is episode 331 if you're playing at home And before we get into all of that stuff Let me remind you to go over to Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us, we'll follow you back 100% That is what you call a follow back policy also head over to our patreon patreon.com slash weird science where you can help support us for everything we do here but it's not one of those hey we're trying to keep the lights on things and whatever i don't like having the lights on because then i like accidentally walk by a mirror and see myself and scare the crap out of me all of a sudden i think i'm Candyman in the mirror oh my god don't say my name three times but with that go over to patreon.com slash weird science to get a bunch of shows each level you do you get more and more shows one of the big things that we point out each week is we have a patreon only spotlight episode where the badasses of the get fresh crew beep boop and the badasses is a level on the patreon in case people didn't realize that and they get to pick just about everything In my life I I swear to God We we probably have a poll there And I don't know if I'm going to have spaghetti Or if I might have mac and cheese Well, they decide They always say spaghetti, though I don't know why they're so against mac and cheese But they end up picking the books Two books each week For that Patreon-exclusive show And this week, they ended up picking a pretty big one Kang the Conqueror number one And then another one Black Cat, number nine Part of the infinity score story going on there so if you are ever mad at what is going on like oh my god i want to smack somebody because i wanted to hear that book you have to go and smack the badasses and and if you want to know who they are i'm going to tell you right now because this is the badass roll call again part of the deal is you get to have your name Probably mispronounced by me. Isn't that a great caveat of being a badass? I will to get fresh. Poop, boop. And here we go. Jay Jennings, Ted Probst. I love punchline. Michael S., welcome to the Badass Roll Call. Forrest Pauly, Joseph Wojcik, Matt Razor, D-Man 3000, All New Dave, Lady Abby, Red, Matches Balone, Niels Tewart, David Fink, Joey Berkosko, Stephen Baum, he plays the hockey, he does. Tony Walton, Jason Colby, 242 42 to me and you, Michael G., Ken Halleck, Comic Boom, Arake, go over to the YouTube, look up Comic Boom, Cellar Dweller, Mark Jager, Aldrin Stoja, Nick Adams, Bill a beer from the Bat Pod, and Bill ended up starting a football podcast. That's pretty darn cool. Robin, Carlos, Lone Wolf, Marv. Luke Hollywood that I do the manga podcast with, Simon, Luis, Manship, Andrew and Belfast, Swanee, Anthony G, Josh Vermillion, Dalton Needham, my man Pete from NYC, Sailor Moon, Mark, my man Rob Lewis, Brandy Murray, B. Muir, that's Brandon there in Buffalo, Canada, and Double A Ron, he's in Minnesota, Canada, that's where he is. But that is the bet. As a little shout out to our all-time great Reggie, R.I.P. Reggie. And so, with that, we we have a bunch of books. As I said, some big ones too that did end up on this podcast, like Sinister War, Moon Knight, Gamma Flight. You know, all the big ones. But we're going to get into it just uh, right about now. And I'm going to be joined by Clay to talk two of those books that I just mentioned. We're going to talk Sinister War and Moon Knight. All right, everybody. We're going to start off with me and Clay talking a couple books. What's going on, Clay?
1: Um, you know, I we we just little inside baseball. We just recorded something else for the Patreon. Go yes. check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to go grab a cup of water, and like it is getting pretty late over here. It's already around like ten thirty, whatever. Uh, not usually late for us because we're always staying up for some reason. True, but my wife is just like cooking this whole meal, and she's like, "Hey, I think I'm hungry. Do you want something?" I was like, "Uh, sure." Yeah, okay. Ten thirty. <laughs> here we
0: go. My my son Logan, he would flip out. He he, me and him have to do now because of him. He likes to do that intermittent fasting where you can eat whatever, but you eat it from twelve in the afternoon till eight, and then you have to stop. And I'm not digging it. I, oh, I don't. No. I, don't like, get it. I, I
1: don't like it. I'm a snack person. I'm always snagging on something. Yeah, my problem is, and again, you kind of hinted at it the way that me and you both have different
0: things we record and stuff like that. The problem is, is there's a lot of times like six o'clock till eight, I'm recording, and then I'm screwed. The way you say, you know, the way this works out. But I've convinced them that I'm allowed to eat cherries after (laughs) eight o'clock. That's the uh, and I've now I eat frozen cherries. Which I do like. They actually, it, it makes them a little sweeter. I am, and again, I think I mentioned this on three podcasts. Cherries, one of the only fruits with natural melatonin. I, See, I was melatonin.
1: literally about to say that because I remember hearing it somewhere. It oh, must I have I keep been <laughs> I keep telling everybody. I think it's, I just think it's
0: neat. And I do love cherries. I, I do really, really love cherries, but it's just ridiculous because he, you know, he has basketball practice he had tonight, but he gets back from basketball practice at 630, which leaves him plenty of time to eat dinner. I record and then I'm done recording at 830. And yeah, I'm done. I'm supposedly like, up, oh, you're screwed. I'm like, am nah, I don't think I am. But yeah, I, I'm a little ahead of you in time. Uh, it's almost it's it's about 1130 here. And with that, I have a feeling that one of my kids will be asking me to go and get something when we're done here. We just always have to find out what is open and stuff like that because I have too many kids is what happens and everybody (laughs) always wants something. But we are here with two books here and we're here with two pretty big books. We have Moon Knight and Sinister War. Uh, The issue is, as me and you also talked about, as you said, Jeb McKay's Black Cat on the Patreon. And each time I read one of these books tonight, I was kind of like, well, that's okay. And I, I guess it's it's okay to not be mad at a book, right? I mean, you don't want to hate something. But Moon Knight in the second issue, I really thought we were going to dig. We liked that first issue. We thought it was cool. I think that was on the Patreon. But if, if you hadn't listened to that, I mean, you liked it enough. And we were intrigued at the end. There's that new guy who shows up, Dr. Bader, who goes by the Hunter's Moon that we ended up having to look up because I thought it was pretty cool. And then we go into this issue, and here's the thing. I know that there's going to be some Moon Knight fans, and they're going to say, well, Jim, a lot of the Moon Knight books do have like one-shot stuff. You end up having an overarching story, but it is through one-shots where you have Mark Specter, you have Moon Knight, you know, dealing with things in the neighborhood and things like that. That's fine and dandy, but I'm thinking Moon Knight's a pretty big book. I'm thinking that it comes back. Issue number two, after a real, you know, pretty cool first issue with an intriguing end of, you know, the yin and the yang, you end up having the dark, you know, deal going against Moon Knight and a guy who is really pissed off because Kanchu is is trapped uh and wants to be freed, all that. So this is big stuff. Also, you pointed out, and I didn't even get it when I read it, and you pointed out correctly, that there's somebody else spying on Mark Spector. So what's this all about? So we go into this issue. And you, I mean, legitimately, I don't want to spoil things, but you're dealing with a sweaty janitor who likes to taint the tap water with (laughs) the sweat. It's disgusting and and not even disgusting in a a dark universe type way. It's just plain out disgusting. And, And so that doesn't feel big. I mean, you may argue with me that it's big, but at the end, it's a sweaty janitors putting a sweat in the tap water. That's it. These old people. And. Doing it to get old people on his deal and his command. Like he says, oh, I can make it. What are you doing? This is such a small plan and a disgustingly small plan. But it is written by Jed McKay with art by Alessandro Capuccio. Colors by Rachel Rosenberg and letters by VCs Petit. It's called Strings, it is. It should be called Sweat. With Conchu in prison, Mark Spector is struck out on his own, establishing the Midnight Mission to offer aid to his neighbors while continuing to combat evil as Moon Knight. He's also undergoing therapy with Dr. Andrea Sturman and has gained an assistant Reese, a newly turned vampire. We get her in this issue. We don't really get much of Dr. Andrea Sturman at this point, but he is dealing and mentions, you know, the idea that he has mental health issues, which we know, of disassociative disorder and stuff like that. Dr. Bader this is the Hunter's Moon. A disciple still loyal to Kanchu recently came to Moon Knight's aid in battle, but he also chastised Moon Knight for his lack of faith and vowed to correct him and someone's watching from the shadows. Okay. So you have Jeb McKay goes into the offices and they're like, Hey, you want to do a Moon Knight book? You have a you know a pitch? He's like, Yeah, I do. Like at the beginning, I'm gonna show you that there's this unknown other part of Kanchu, this hunter's moon, that he's mad because Kanchu is trapped. He's in Uh, I believe he's still in Asgard in a prison, but you know that'll be them. They'll they'll butt heads, but they're still both together in country. They're just not. They'll argue like brothers, right? Okay, that sounds cool. There's this other guy. He's watching from the shadows. He wants to do some damage. He wants to stop all this. Okay, that's really neat. What do you got for the second issue? Get this: a sweaty janitor who puts his sweat in the tap water and controls old people to go and cause havoc. Right there, you're like, no, no, no. You go back to the, you get back to us. You know that first issue that sounded pretty cool. Give us more of that, less sweaty janitor. But that's what you get here. And and so with it, y- you get this deal. Yeah, he's helping the neighborhood. I uh, get to a new neighborhood. If this is, is this this is the villains that you're coming up in your second issue. There there might be some trouble coming down the line because <laughs> I don't know what comes up next. Some guy who likes to crap in your sandwiches. I mean, is he just going to go with that? Oh, my God. He'll really actually give you legitimately the story that everybody's always wanted, where someone does piss in your Cheerios and then he controls you. And then you're you're just walking around like a zombie because they're zombies at the beginning. And you have this other guy who later goes by the name of Soldier. They're after him. They never really say why. Why he's really doing this and why he's going after him. One of the people are this guy's mom. But, I mean, get out there and have these old people like, you know, steal stuff, get some money. I mean, later on, Mark even pretty much hints at the idea that he knows that this bad janitor has actually got the job of being a janitor so that he can control these people. But he has to work the job of a janitor. Like, this is the idea that, you know, five days a week he's a janitor just so he could get a sweat. And then have this army of night things. I don't even know what they're doing. It's so nothing, nothing. And so you you go back to the midnight mission headquarters. Though I do like Reese. I think Reese is pretty cool. Uh, she's a vampire. We we find out out again. But you know, and again, if you're really going to throw it out there, she's there <laughs> drinking from a blood pack. I mean, that's kind of badass in my mind. But with that, what are we getting here? <laughs> like. What do you think of this issue? Because me and you both said, we both thought separately that this feels like a filler issue, a slow down, cool down issue after five issues of balls to the wall action. Let's just settle down, have a little fun with the sweaty janitor, not the second issue. This is a real weird idea for a second yeah, issue. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a full stop. No, you know? I don't either. I don't. I. You'll hear from my score. I like some things about this. It's just the concept of what we're doing. But yeah, it's not a full stop. I agree. But you go on because, you know, I I like it enough.
1: Yeah. No, it's like I was saying, it's not a full stop, but it is questioning. Okay. Like, I, I understand you want to tease readers for your first issue, but to completely veer off from everything we got other than Reese, basically. Um, because I didn't even realize until my second read of this issue we're talking about today that Reese was one of the vampires from the beginning of that issue. I didn't even – it didn't even dawn on me the entire first issue until I noticed, oh, she's a vampire. Okay, that makes sense. And that's cool, uh, well, right? That's cool enough. Yeah, I, I think it's it's – A little quirky you know the the whole like buddy cop type thing because i'm that's basically what this is at at that point um but you know her having the struggle of like hey she's a new vampire so like she's gonna struggle with things like open wounds the smell of blood and everything else like that um it it shows that there is going to be character development with her which i appreciate um but yeah smelly janitor uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Sweaty janners smelling. You end up where this guy comes
0: in. He's like, Oh my god, you gotta help me. Oh my god, I know this guy. And and Reese right away is like, A little too much. Like, oh I know this guy. Lives in the tenement a block over with his mom. They call him soldier. I mean, that's a lot of info to know. Yeah. I mean, if if there's somebody who sees me at Walmart, like, Oh my god, there there's Jim. He recorded three podcasts today, he has five kids and, and really likes hockey. I mean I'm like, How do you know this? But she does know this, it gets the info. He's bleeding. And he comes in, oh my God, I got attacked by these damn old people. It's it's the elderly, it's like the Golden Girls gang that comes out for blood with with butcher knives and things. The so one guy has like a bloody nine iron when you see him, but he's like, Oh my god, and, and you get Mark, hey, get me, you know, the the first aid kit. Okay, we're gonna put him together. And I like some of the lines here where yeah, they call this guy soldier. And he even asked Mark at one point, What are you a doctor? He's like, No, no, no. I'm like, you I'm a soldier, but, you know, we have to do these things. But you do see Reese, who starts to help, and she's starting to, you know, see the blood. She's starting to get a little lust for the blood. And then she licks the blood, it seems, off of these gloves. And then she has to get the hell out of there. And the weird thing is, she's like, I got to go. And even that, like, the weird setup is like, okay, here, I'm going to give you painkillers. I mean, I'm telling you, old Mark Spector, he's, you know, Dr. Feelgood over here you know i'm not a real doctor but here's my prescription for the oxys here you go buddy and he's like no 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 i don't take any drugs i don't take any pills she it ta- seemingly she tastes the blood off of the glove and and with that i'm no vampire I've i never don't think t- she actually t- tastes it's it weird. i think like, that she's, is she I going
1: think, to or yeah, and I think then she doesn't yeah i think she stops herself
0: from yeah, doing maybe. it. maybe the weird thing is is what i was going to say too because then she goes ah And I thought that what she was doing, two things. I thought she might have tasted it. And really, I've actually, where we were, me and Eric were working, Eric, doing the DC Comics podcast. And there was a point where, you know, we had the latex gloves and whatever. I think we had a break or somebody had cake or something. I'm eating cake with those gloves on. And you do get that weird taste of rubber that kind of goes up. And I thought Uh, that's what she was like. Uh, But also, I thought that this would have been a cool deal because he says he doesn't take drugs. I thought she tasted the blood and it tasted wrong. Now later we're going to find out that everybody in this building is being controlled because sweaty janitor has tainted the the tap water with the with the sweat. And this is able to I mean, how wacky is this? It can control people. Is sweat, such a weird ability. And the old people are more vulnerable at first, but we do end up seeing Soldier, this guy. Has had enough to be. I actually thought that she tasted that, that the blood tasted off because of Sweaty Janner, and she was going to be the reveal of either that she tasted. I don't know that that would be enough to actually infect her, but she would have been able to solve the thing a little for Mark. It doesn't do that, though. It's just her, like, oh shit, I'm about to eat blood. I got to get the hell out of here. Like you said, I'm looking at it now, and I guess that's the play of like, no, 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 I can't do this. I got to go. And it's one of those of her you know, being new and having that blood lust and, and having to stop it. But it, it's a good moment to show that she has, you know, she's not going to go over the board, right? Even at a point where a guy says, I don't take pills, that kind of is the idea of like live human blood here from a guy. Like, that's kind of like a vampire drug itself, you know, and it's funny because she, where's she getting that blood pack? I don't know if this guy has started playing, I don't know. The t- Why wouldn't she have this? She was just drinking blood. She had the blood cocktail, but it's okay. It shows you that she's fighting it, right? And then that's the uh, whole idea. Are you a doctor? I'm a soldier, but now I'm a priest. Let's get going. And they're going to go solve this deal. Now we are at this point about halfway through. And I'm like, okay, where's this Hunter's Moon guy? <laughs> like, where's the other? Because this doesn't feel as big now. Then I thought it was going to be connected in with those vampires from the beginning or something, but. Not really yet. Sweaty janitor is what we get because they see him. And you have Mark like, huh, that guy's a little sweaty. And then he, you know, soldier goes, hey, I'm going to go get my gun. I'm going to get my mom. Mark comes out. All the old people have now gathered. I like the one guy with the cane. He's just going to hit. There's now the guy put down his nine iron. He has a putter, but he also has a butcher's knife. I I don't understand this, but you end up where they're going to attack him. And he ends up that's funny because, you know, Mark he gets it right away. I mean he knows what's happening It's so weird that he's like, All right, I know it's you and the janitor's wiping his sweat. Look at him, he's a sweaty dude. (laughs) He's sweat. And uh he's like, Yeah, you know, I I kinda control them. I use my sweat. He's like, Oh, I get it. You put your sweat in the water supply. Yeah, you got that one too, you're pretty quick. That's what he said. So that's you know, there are these things of okay. There's something. There's a connection, but we're still talking sweaty janitor, and he's disgusting, right? Picking his teeth and stuff like that. But he ends up where this guy seems bored. He's trying to play a game. All these things. So you end up having Mark say, "Hey, how about we play a, a, a game? You know, you're curious or whatnot. Just give me your sweat. I'll I'll just lick it." I'll this was so sweat. gross. Oh, it's so gross. And with that point, there is the description of or the you know them saying. Okay, the old people, they were affected quick, but the younger guy, oh, soldiers right behind me with that gun, right? Yes, he's being, you know, he's going to get shot. They're going to kill Moon Knight. And that's where he says, hey, I'll drink your sweat, and uh, then we'll see what happens. And I think I can resist it. You know, you say that you're so strong your sweat, uh, I'll be able to do it. And yeah, he gives them one of his moon orangs. And the guy actually just wipes the sweat off of his bald head. It just, like, (laughs) seeps
1: all the way over this thing. Oh, it's so gross.
0: Disgusting. Isn't this worse than, like, blood? Like, if he's like, hey, I'll taste. Like, blood, at least you're like, okay, that's kind of a, you know, one of those demonic things or whatever, but sweat. And, again, I think Jed McKay is playing this as if, like, like it, it feels like one of those, like, you know what nobody's ever done before? have sweaty janitor monster and then there needs to be somebody <laughs> editorial somebody step in his wife i don't know the guy i don't know his situation it's not done because it's disgusting and stupid
1: right this, it's like that's why we haven't seen it there, i could come up with a lot of wacky ideas in too in all honesty this feels like a spawn villain like just somebody who would be just outright disgusting.
0: Yeah, this you know what? Was Even like a so creature or something like that. Yeah, and I guess you're going with that, but I don't know. And he ends up giving him, "Hey, thanks for my sweaty moon All right, and then just licks it. He's Like, oh, oh my god! At least gag or something to show me that you, you don't. I mean, I think he's getting a taste for it. He's gonna. He's <laughs> like, you know what? I've been trying to recreate sweaty janitor sweat, and I'm just not getting it right. I'm missing an ingredient. Soldier goes, probably salt. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> it. Salt, so, it tastes great. Uh, But yeah, he ends up there, and that's the deal where, you know, the setup. The setup isn't bad. The setup of him saying, listen, it's like a telephone line from my mind to theirs. And I can see things through their head. I can do all this. Now, with that, you do end up having, you know, Moon Knight set up the deal. Listen, you're, it, my head's a little wacky. You know, I have some mental. but you kind of randomly go with these people, so you have to have run into somebody who's wacky, but also you're seeing through all these people, so pretty much you're even giving yourself artificially like a uh, disassociative disorder thing, so you'll be fine. He goes in, and this is where, again, the setup is sweaty janitor mind control, and now we're going to get very philosophical and very... Over wordy with the deal and all I can Keep thinking is you just ate That guy's sweat dude You know and, <laughs> and ba- so it basically is now He's I'm going to put you into mind That you have never you know You're there with this old lady whose You know big concern is that her Grandkids are coming over and she's Got to go to the red box and get Transmorphers because she thinks That's the movie they want to see and also I need to restock my ribbon Candies that's all she. He goes into this, and this is a void. And he says it, you know. And basically, you're seeing the darkness and the light, and you're going back to primordial times where man first looked up at the the light and saw. And you know, and again, sweaty janitor. And so it's okay, you know. It's pretty cool. You get a bunch of spread pages. You get like pretty much. You get the shock and awe of what it would be like to be Moon Knight, and also in my mind, you get that idea of what he could do if he's really angry like stuff like that, but man, the sweaty janitor and But I have, I have a up, question because yeah. I
1: noticed this the first time. I wasn't really sure the second time. There's a moment where you're inside Moon Knight's head and he's wrapping up this janitor, putting him in this sarcophagus. Yeah, this he's coffin, making him a mummy. Yep. Mummy. And then he places him right next to two other uh Yeah. Coffins. One of them says Lockley, Lockley which is who Grant. he is. It says that's who he is. Lockley is the uh, gentleman, the the janitor. And then one says Grant and one says Spectre. Of course, Spectre is him. It's empty. So that is clearly his persona. I don't know who Grant is, to be completely honest, because I'm not a Moon Knight fan. Maybe other fans know who Grant is. So does this mean that Moon Knight now has Lockley as a personality that he can turn into?
0: I don't know, because it ends up seemingly like it uh it ended up kinda and, and Grant is Stephen Grant, who was one of the Moon Knights. There's been a bunch of Moon Knights. Okay. Right? okay I just okay. actually just made sure. Um but yeah, it seems like he's like almost like I can lock you away here, but then he might actually still have a piece of his mind Because when he comes out, he's off, right? I mean, he is not right He says, you know, I ended up Screwing him up and I don't care So, I guess, but it's kind of weird To put him into Like, almost like the pockets With a former Moon Knight and a spot for himself You know what I mean? That's, you know, hey, this is only for the best We got two Moon Knights and a sweaty janitor Just as ridiculous, but you know, you have that deal. But yeah, the, the whole deal with Grant was one of the former ones. So you, you end up having all of that said and done. And it just, you know, ends with sweaty janitor taken care of. He is now just, you know, on the floor. He's
1: with, I mean, look look, at with, him. with the response of Moon Knight having one of the most badass lines in this entire book. Uh, I, I think it was Soldier that was asking, like, what happened? What'd you do? Uh, and Moon Knight said. Nothing that he'll recover from and that's and like, awesome oh, right snap. And
0: the, you know what I like about that is the idea that and Especially like Marvel will go A little further than like a DC Type deal but it does show you that He will mess you up if you Screw with people and make him eat your sweat But yeah then you get Reese And that, that was the thing Reese comes back Oh Reese you're okay they're going back and you know You end up having guys say hey hey And Terry's there to help out And Reese ends up saying You know I, I got to Not get so overwhelmed by This and I had to get out Of there but I do like the Idea where Moon Knight's like you know We're kind of the same with this you know we're Broken things have been changed in us We're going to deal with it and uh, we Can use you know that sort of thing and destroy Our enemies and things like that and then They're talking and that's at the end where That legitimately looks like Hunter's Moon because we saw his Deal Uh, and but again we Were really excited about that before uh, And you just get Oh, hey, there's the cliffhanger Let's get to that You know, th- this this story with the janitor That should be after all the big stuff And it, it kind of is inserted in here Weird second chapter, w- really weird But it's okay I mean, and, and again, if this would have been You know, issue six after five issue first arc that really hit I think I might have looked at it better I might have thought that it was better. It's still disgusting, and I would have laughed at the sweaty janitor all the whole time, and I, I never will stop laughing about that. But I think it would have played out better. It's a weird pacing, and it—it's weird why what I what I thought of right away. I thought of the idea where, and I I used to make a lot of mixtapes. I know that you know people make playlists now, so it's the same thing. But it's even the idea where you have a band and you're going to put out an album. And you got to get that right mix of the tracks. You, you could have some awesome tracks, but you might mess up by, you know, putting you don't put a ballad as the first track of an album. You wouldn't. You never would do that. You know, you usually hit hard first, do this. You wouldn't start an album with an instrumental, even if you're just a rock band. I, I remember it's funny I say that. I remember listening to Sammy Hagar and he was on uh, Howard Stern and they were talking about, I believe it must have been the Van Halen album with Gary Sharon. Guy from extreme and they were talking About hey we'll see what it is and, and they Van Halen I believe that album started With an instrumental and Sammy Hagar said that Legitimately shows you that they're Not confident in, in the band and Gary Sharon being the singer this is very Deep cut Van Halen stuff but It did get to me because they were Talking about what makes a list and What makes a playlist and things like that This really is a weird Kind of combo if it was a playlist Or an album for a second song it just is a weird one This is kind of the quirky song that you put like eighth In an album of, you know, 12 songs And not second You gotta keep hitting But with that, I'm still a seven I actually still didn't mind it I thought the art was pretty good And at the end, it was badass I mean, the idea of all that, you know, Moon night stuff And hey, they were worshipping the moon and all that And that badass line of, you know, leaving them there And I do like Reese I really want more Reese I think she's really cool and a, and a good addition but other than that, I, I just it's still Sweaty Janitor and it still felt weird. But what would you get?
1: Yeah, I'm going to be there. Uh, same thing that I was with uh, the Black Cat when we reviewed that. It's this is an average book. It as far as the one issue, I'm not going to say that Moon Knight is average because I don't want to get canceled by all the Moon Knight fans or anything. But this didn't really progress in a way that I thought it was. So it was a little, you know, misfortunate for me. But. I did like the the Easter egg, you know, you just giving me the knowledge that hey, that is actually an old Moon Knight persona. Like that is really cool, you know. Maybe we can touch up on that sooner rather than later. But I think that this book still has a lot going for it. So I'm not gonna just like crap all over this. It, it was actually it was genuinely fun um, you know, having Moon Knight be Mr. Macho, although he was drinking sweat. Huh, but
0: Yeah Yeah, but he he put it
1: on the line For all those people too so that was cool Right yeah yeah and so uh, Yeah just just an outright uh, Average seven yeah do
0: you think That you said that you don't want to be cancelled by the You think they go by like the Crescent Crew or something (laughs) you know The lunar lunatics or something Like like they have some sort of league or something They're gonna come after you Uh, But yeah it's weird too Again maybe I'll get cancelled by The Crescent crew Uh, Moon Knight is isn't exactly ever like a huge book, but for some reason, this one felt like it was going to be. I don't know why. This felt like this was like the breakout time for it, and people were real fired up, and they may still be. I just think that this was a bit of a, a step backward than that first issue. Because if you remember, we talked about the first issue. Again, I thought it was on Patreon, but me and you talking about it up my score a lot. Like, yeah. I really liked it by the end. When me and you ended up talking about it, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I actually really, really enjoy this. Uh, this made me giggle doing it, but it was still the same score. Like I said, you, you nailed it. It's kind of just an average deal. But I, I expected more. So I it makes me feel like a little bit more disappointed with it. But we're going to go to the next issue, which we continue our Spidey stuff. And in the, in the background of this, you did end up sending me covers. Of the Spider-Man Beyond stuff when uh, Nick Spencer leaves the book And stuff and some of those covers look awesome And I love Misty Knight and she's on That one looking badass but you end Up with this as Sinister War number three uh, We have a Combo again we have Nick Spencer and Ed Brisson writing and I actually When I saw that I was waiting for some Like out of time Reference stuff and there was a couple things That I was like was oh, that Ed or <laughs> it just felt weird but there's not too much going on in this that I can really pinpoint who was writing it. There really isn't a lot in this, but pencils by Mark Bagley, Carlos Gomez, and Z. Carlos. I think that the art's pretty good. Inks by Andrew Ennesty, Andy Owens, John Del Carlos Gomez, and Z. Carlos. Colors by Brian Reaver and Andrew Crossley. Letters by V.C.'s Joe Caramagna. Things have never been worse for Spider-Man as five different teams of villains are after him. There's Doc Ock Sinister Six, Beatles Sinister Syndicate, Foreigners Wild Pack, Vultures Savage Six, and Boomerang and the Spear of Foes of Spider Man. It's all happening at Mysterious Villain Kindred's Graveyard, where he plans to punish Spider Man for perceived sins. Spidey stands alone against 30 villains. And if I'm going to tell you what this felt like, this issue of, if you really like, hey, just a gut reaction, what does this feel like? It It, it feels like Bane. And the whole deal of, you know, wearing down, you know, Spider-Man, wearing down Batman and then being able to just come in and taking him over. But it feels weird to do all of this because we said before, Kindred seemed to be all knowing, all doing. And then he's getting 30 villains to go almost to wear down Spidey. You know, this is like Spider-Man Nightfall. And. I don't know why, because I think that with Spider Man and the things that I think Kindred is after and things like that, I think that he would be more better served to mess with Peter's mind, like do things to show, like try to convince him that Mary Jane never loved him and things like that. The idea of him just getting beaten up over and over and over, I don't know, it just didn't seem that great. Now, in the beginning, like stuff that Mysterio's doing here, that's pretty cool and i think that that's maybe what kindred should be doing but even then you have mysterio who we spend all that time in the nick spencer just like well i'm gonna deal with this amazing mary jane stuff in the movie but boom he's back to mysterio. he he is switching too fast yeah and um, even even doc ock but doc ock, again we haven't really seen him so i can go with the idea but mysterio like it's so fast. Like really, I think
1: like, more so with Doc Ock, they kind of play with the fact that he has lost his memory. Yeah, for everything lost beforehand. He wants
0: it back and, and all that stuff of the other stuff. I yeah, I, I agree with you. Mysterio though, right? He even mentions it like this was gonna be my best night, and I had this and that. And I'm like, why are you doing this? You you actually had some redemption going on in an awful story, but it still was pretty good. Uh, his redemption and especially Nick Spencer takes And we were having some things It wasn't like Peter ended up And why didn't he then If you're going to play this Why didn't Peter like get away from that and Jerk off you know you're never this And this movie sucks And some He's like there and he's putting a, a rotten tomatoes He's he's review bombing the, the movie and now it's it's not looked at Very well <laughs> and now he's all Upset released the Mysterio cut Everybody's yelling uh, The idea though is like it just feels like a dogpile of just everybody against Peter But I'm not getting really why we need this Why we need this issue to just keep going after him Going after him because there's not a lot of story progression You get a cool thing at one point because you get Sin Eater back uh, You know, he rises up and the sins are going out That only seems like, okay, that's just the last bit of reset Maybe but even then like what did you think of this I, I i wasn't getting anything from it except hey there's some cool characters on the page man
1: that's a cool deal i think there's there's really only two things that you can really take out of this like for one is okay this this whole thing with like all the villains i feel like it's a little overwhelming for the book and it's not really needed like it's almost overkill and i understand that's probably what kindred is wanting to do and that's probably what like Uh, Spencer Nick Spencer is wanting you to feel, but it doesn't really intrigue me at that point. At this point, like, I understand you want us to feel like Spider Man is going to die. You could have done that with like 15 villains, not 30, you know. I can think of one that you could kindred.
0: I mean, (laughs) exactly, he he killed
1: them like 17 times in the other
0: book, and so he's doing this, but I never really get the idea of. You know, at the end, what except, but, you know, it's cool at points to see like Stagram. It's cool where Boomerang comes in and actually fools everyone and lets Peter escape at a point. Actually, that was that was my other
1: that was my other point. You know, we we were always hoping that maybe there was going to be a redeeming moment for Boomerang. This isn't necessarily a redeeming moment, but it does say like, hey, that time together meant something to him. And hopefully that redeeming moment is somewhere in the future for Boomerang. So that is that. I do understand that like as a comic book creator, you want something that is going to sell. So like having all these villains, there's a splash page like right after Boomerang lets him go. That looks amazing. It looks actually really, really cool. But then like, that's the end of the book. Like, I, I think the only other thing that I would say is worthwhile here is the almost wild card of Sin Eater coming back. Yeah, that's and, not and somebody we would necessarily no, thought would come back. We didn't think
0: he was going to come back, and I didn't even think of him. I, you know, he was gone. He was out, so he's back. The intriguing part is that the sins start flying out, and you do see them going to specific places, including Ravencroft, You know, and and that's where we did have Harry. Hanging out with Carly and it does look like two Are going in that. like we have some Things that look pretty cool That maybe they'll end up being And we do even see you know by the end You end up seeing like a juggernaut and things like yeah, that Remember juggernaut, juggernaut Marloon is back yeah, Again we yeah. had these Dead and this again though is that Just a reset is this the The reset okay I'm on the book for a little bit Longer I got to get these characters back So other people can play with them so You know Marloon Juggernaut. OK, I get it. Um, and and even then, I actually thought I thought that the big play here uh, was going to be a kind of a cool, not redemption, but a, a step up moment of the superior foes, actually, not just boomerang, uh, because at that point you have the superior foes are all together. Like, OK, you know, where where's where's Spider-Man? Where is he? Oh, my God. You know the the Sinister Six—they're just ripping them apart over there. Oh, we better get over there. I actually thought all of them because you do have a couple of those characters. You know they're they're concerned of Carly. You end up having Boomerang, who was a roommate and friends of the B- I thought that they actually—that was going to be the turn that it was like, oh my god, they're actually with them. And then not that it evens the score, but now you have. The less that, like, it's now the superior foes and Spider-Man going against the rest of these and a pretty cool deal. No, they're just all there, and Boomerang's like, oh, my God. He ended up pressing a button on a Boomerang, and then he ran off. And I'm like, all right, at least least I can give Boomerang, you know, all right, you're still a decent guy. And even if he isn't, he's at least doing that one last thing of, you know, we were friends and what. But even then, you get, like, out of nowhere, you get the line... Of you know, oh, there you are, Craven. Your daddy was a jerk when he was hunting us down. You know, alluding to the deal that he's the clone of the Craven that did the hunted story in Central Park. But we've we've alluded to this a bunch of times. I even said you ended up having you know the daughter. Uh, you know, in the last deal. So I want I, I need more than this. Looking at it, it's cool. This would be something that, as a kid, I think you could like. Oh my God, there's that villain and that villain. Even with that even get the added deal where Mysterio even is making Peter think that Black Cat Wolverine and Johnny Storms said that. That's cool. Like, there's characters galore in this. I think that's all it is. And it plays off to me. And I'd love to say that it plays off like a, a popcorn summer movie. It plays off like that middle or, you know, uh, the big fight of the. Po- it doesn't even give you the full movie. It's just the fight. And then at the end, it's to be concluded. You know, and like we really didn't do much with this book. We just gathered the teams. I mean, they actually were kind of together already. And they've just been attacking and talking trash on each other and Peter. But, man, I'm telling you, like you said, at the one point, you have spread page after spread page that are great. They are so cool with all those characters. And like we said, we're talking about this. We even add Marloon, Juggernaut, and and sin eater, so there's even more now, and you don't have enough room for the deal, but yeah, you end up where at the end you have that deal of like. So now you see how the story goes, Pete. People don't change, you know, Doc. Doc, no matter how how they try, there's boomerang. He did change a little. Our parts are written for us, alluding to you know, in a clever wink, wink deal, of Mysterio in the, in the movie and stuff, and we're just all players on the stage with Beetle and stuff like that. But then you end with you know, now let me show you the end. No, no, no. Show us something. I don't care, end, middle. Like I need something, and Kindred still eludes us because he doesn't want to play the the his full hand I I just I don't get it. I just don't get it of what he's doing. And I get he's ending this. It's, he's off the book, but that has to be the reason because it's just a lot of nothingness with some cool art. I, I don't I don't hate the issue. I think that it's cool to see all the characters. I think that Sin coming out was awesome. Boomerang's move, maybe a little too quick, but I liked seeing it. And so, like, I could say that this, but it it just goes right with the Moon Knight, really. It's just an average book when we're at a point in this that you really should be hitting so hard. You are going everything that you set up and putting it all at us, and we're just getting like I said a dog pile you're just getting 30 characters just going at Peter where Peter is barely really in the book he's reacting he's getting hit he's getting hurt and we're not like really seeing much like you have those
1: of moments of like oh I need to get away wow. oh I have a chance here oh wait they're fighting me again and unfortunately this has been going on for a total of 8 issues like almost 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 8 issues because it says here I'm looking at the last page next we have the Sinister War number four and Amazing Spider-Man 72. And ironically, the covers look exactly the same because they have Peter in the exact same position. But ever since Sinister War started, it's been one giant fight. Like there hasn't been any progression as far as story, unfortunately. And that's why I I feel like we and we said this, we as soon as we got the news that Spencer was going to be off the book. We were like, oh, that means this is probably going to get rushed and we're not going to get a whole lot of answers. And unfortunately, I feel like Spencer was like, well, if I have to go out, I have to go out on a bang. And I think like Kindred would have yeah. been enough.
0: But, and Remember, uh, that's what we kept thinking. 75, we might find out. Kind- then end the stuff. But he's doing it all before that. And I yeah. think you're right. Just end Kindred. It, it's again. You end up in, just to throw it out, it, it kind of does feel very similar to the Tom King Batman run, where they're in the, okay, you're going to get done. Now, most of the fans that were still around at that point wanted more Bat Cat stuff. And what he ended up doing, oh, I'm going to do the City of Bane. And I'll do, like, even then. See, like, and, and that's
1: I don't think I want more Kindred. I don't want 100 issues of Kindred. I just want a good. I want ending. an explanation.
0: Yeah, yes. that's what I want. I want to end this by saying okay the one thing that you pretty much had in every issue or at least you know right from the beginning this kindred deal you explained it it made sense and maybe like you know we we thought that it might one more day in all these things it might change but you could even i wouldn't i might be like oh here we go but if you end it because where you had that point please dad and peter Find out what you did. You screwed me over. Find out. Right there, it should have just been that since then, of them going and a cool team up where you can get the ins and outs of actually having a a Norman Osborn teaming up with Peter. And then even at one point, you would even guess that to do what they have to do. Oh, my God, I'm going to have to be the Goblin again. I'm going to be Green Goblin. No, no, you'll never come back. No, you have to like some cool things like that. Right. And even at the one point having a Green Goblin Spider-Man team up as they're trying desperately to figure out what happened to Harry to make him into Kindred and then fix it. But then that just got pushed aside. and Now it's just a battle like, yeah, I guess if you ended like you're saying you end Kindred, right? Kindred gets resolved perfectly. Who is going to sit there and complain about, well, I really wish we would have seen a tiny bit more of Craven. <laughs> Nobody, like, you know, who's going to sit there and say? And even when you're doing that, obviously, you can then have Boomerang get a little redemption. You can end up, I mean, at this point, Wilson Fisk himself has just completely deserted this book. He was a big part of Kindred and all that stuff. He is missing an action. He's gone. You have Norman, where I couldn't tell you really what is going on except that I think the sins are flying right on back to him at this. But there are things, even with the idea at this point, I'm a dummy. I'm, I'm not a smart man. I'm not a handsome fella. The, the idea that when I say to you, what exactly is at stake for the teams? And is it the full team that gets a Because really, they mention it again. We know what it is, but it's the generic, well, if you don't get them, you're going to burn in hell. But if you do help Kindred, you'll be able to kind of rule with them. Kind of and, but it it's still It doesn't really hit hard Or make real sense and again I don't know if it's one of those where Say Tarantula is the one who kills Spider-Man Does his whole team get this thing Or just Tarantula because they all Seem to be kind of going with Something that I'm not sure is really Well spelled out to just get No stop this stop This nonsense and get Kindred resolved with being connected with Harry, not Harry. That's the weird thing, too. That gets separated. I think that things are getting wonky. But do that and start it from that point where a Harry who seemingly breaks out of the kindred hold says, you guys need to find out. Please help me find out what you did. You guys did it. Find out, please. We were so excited at that point. We had all these theories and then that just boom, it just laid flat, nothing. And then all of a sudden, oh my god, there's Harry He's not kindred, is he kindred? I don't know What's kindred? Ah. And now we have this where You know, you have them all fighting And then at the end, kindred's like, you're not going to know What it's like <laughs> Like He already knew what it's like 17 times So please do something But there's not a lot of issues left There's the sinister war four And then pretty much three issues Of the actual book So I don't know, I'm getting worried That it's, and then I mean, you will kind of figure, and way more than seventy-four issues. Remember, because we had a lot of these side books and the 0.5 books yep. and things like that. And it'll all—if you don't—if you don't give us a clear-cut, well-done ending for Kindred, this whole run, unfortunately, will feel like a bust to me. Because that's why I'm still around. That's why I didn't fail. Uh, I like Nick Spencer. I like his dialogue. I like it way better when he's just him on the. On the issue not ed person is fine himself but i think that nick spencer i i give him more credit Than i see a lot of people giving him and i think that the art has been really good throughout this Whole deal but you got to give us something good with kindred and if it ends with something like i wonder who that kindred is huh and we don't know i'm I'm gonna flip out Uh, (laughs) and again it'd be great i'd love to say I'll never read this but but he's not going to be on it then. So I'm going to be reading and we're going to be reviewing it. But overall, I think I'm a 6.5. I can go to a 6. The art's really good, though, and there's some really big things, but I don't want to give it the benefit of having that because I think that that takes away from what I wanted anyway. So I'm going to go 6.5. But uh, yeah. what would you give it?
1: Yeah, I I was I was not going to go 7, unfortunately, just because you know looking back, you kind of have to put this in where it is in the middle of this fight, and unfortunately, like I said, it's been a freaking six-issue fight, and nothing has grown from that fight whatsoever. So I was going to give it a 6-5, but I think I have to give it a 6. Okay. Yeah,
0: I'm going to be a little more positive just because there are multiple artists, and I think they all do a good job. Yeah. There's a lot of characters in this, so that's seemingly, you know, you got to get some other
1: artists. Yeah, I, I think that book. my six is majority yeah, positive yeah. on art and some of the callbacks. But as but far as like, just unfortunately yeah. the mess that this book has turned into has, is what is, is what keeps it as a, as a yeah, six. That sucks. What's going
0: on? Oh, well, that's a bummer. It's a bummer, but I'm going to be going off now to uh, do a couple books. I think including a, a book that shocked me that I've actually liked. It's Gamma Flight, which I thought that I was going to really hate. I read the first issue. I'm like, uh, I think it was a Patreon spotlight, too. I'm like, oh, I have to read this. I actually liked it, Now, nah, the second issue as well. So I'm hoping as we're recording right now, I have not read it yet. So I can't make any sort of claim. So I'm going to be doing that and a couple others in a just a, a moment.
1: But before we go, I even forgot. Tell everybody where they can find you, Clay. Of course, you can find me at Fanboy Clay on Twitter. Of course, I'm also in the Slack chat. Uh, but you can find me. Uh, Over uh, on Twitter, the link tree in my bio has the links to all of my shows, including uh, DC Alliance, Batman News Weekly, uh, Weird Science Marvel podcast, Weird Science DC podcast, Weird Science Maga podcast, and the Ranger Alliance.
0: Yep. And that is that. So check out
1: Clay everywhere he is.
0: And we'll be back in just a moment. Like I said, I believe that I'll be talking about Gamma Flight. We'll see. What is going on in a second? And I'm going to start my section with Gamma Flight Number Three, Part Three of Five. And this is a book that surprised me. How much I liked the first two issues. I thought it was just going to be more of the same of Immortal Hulk, but it, it was a, a bit different. I like the team. I like what's going on in it. Now, this issue is the most Immortal Hulk esque issue that we have gotten so far. And either that or the idea that we're really just setting up things for the next two issues to end with a bang. Either one of those, column A, column B, I think that this was a down issue, but it's still enjoyable. I still liked it. It's just I'm not as hyped as I was about the first two. But it is written by Al Ewing and Crystal Frazier, art by Lam Medina, colors by Antonio Fabella, and the art and colors are awesome in this. VC's Joe Sabino on letters. And design, and I would hope that design means that he ended up stitching up some jumpsuits for the whole team And they run around as if they're Gamma Flight That'd be pretty cool That's the design part that I imagine. And here is the recap Gamma Flight, an offshoot of the space defense program Alpha Flight Is on the run after displaying orders to deliver the Hulk to the government When a new Gamma Mutate Dion, aka Stockpile, started rampaging in Texas Gamma Flight managed to talk her down, but then Scar, the son of the Hulk, showed up with his powers restored and fingers coming out of his forehead and tried to take Stockpile back to their mysterious masters, and the panicking authorities sent in a Hulkbuster squad, which means that crap hit the fan. Crusher absorbed the powers of a teleporter and tried to take the team to safety, but something went wrong, and they seemingly disintegrated. It's up to Charlene and Rick Jones slash Delfry, you know, the monstrosity to find out what happened to them but someone else is watching dr aliana alba notorious gamma obsessive has partnered with the hulk's worst nightmare a resurrected emil blonsky aka the abomination i would love if you end up having the abomination come face to face with the whole team ends up seeing rick jones and del fry and just says listen You can have the name Abomination because you are a mess, you two Now, in this issue, you end up having, you know, some wonky things I think it's very, uh, you know, it's very Immortal Hulk-esque It's not the Down Below, but what we end up getting is the Gamma Purgatory Is where they ended up, you know, going to And that's all well and good it's kind of a, a neat concept, I guess, but it does you know, seemingly connect in my mind and it gives you that real feel of the Immortal Hulk. But at the end, they just get teleported back out and nothing is really, really explained of what exactly this place was. But again, I think that with, and maybe somebody's like, no, 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 I, th- I think they, they explain it, but the explanation kind of is just like, all right, you're just telling me things to make them be able to be there and to be able to do something. There is a huge, huge reveal here uh, as with Dion and, you know, Stockpile with her father and who is, you know, the one who convinced her to be part of the Green Spring program with the grafting and the stuff from Abomination. We'll get to that by the end. That really, in my mind, is the the big thing. And, And one of the Only things really going on in this issue That you need to have to go forward Because you end up with the Gamma flight team, they're just fighting through What ends up being this purgatory They don't know where they are, are they on an alien Planet, are they dead, are they whatever They say, this doesn't feel like the down Below that we've been in before, but we They don't understand, now What happened was you did End up, and it didn't mention it in the Recap, but if you remember You ended up having Absorbing Man He ended up absorbing the teleporter, becoming the living teleporter. And they end up being able to go back to save Tatiana and Stockpile and Sasquatch. Well, they end up where when he gets there, you have Scar who pretty much like punches Absorbing Man and and ends up messing up the circuitry of the teleporter. So it's fritzing out. They're trying to figure out. But, you know, they have to give and like Hail Mary. We're going to try to do this. Let's go. And so with the teleporter, you have to think of home. And in this issue, they're not really spelling too much about the idea that the circuitry was broken down or, or messed with. It was more the idea, as Puck says, they all have to think of home. And the home that the Gamma Flight has right now, they've only been there for a couple of weeks. So things got wonky. It's like their heart, the home is where the heart is, and their heart hadn't really settled in that home yet. So what it ended up doing is reverting to Dion, who ends up going to in this purgatory landscape deal. This is actually the town that Greenspring is in. This is the town that she ended up being, you know, pretty much imprisoned and experimented on by the abomination. This is where Scar showed up and they were going to take it back. So she says, I ended up stuck in this place. So I thought this was my home. That seems to be the biggest thing of what they're thinking of in kind of a deal where I thought it was like the Wizard of Oz. You know, there's no place like home. Well, unfortunately, they end up here. And so what ends up happening is this town has been messed with. Even the regular citizens in the town unknowingly, well, not unknowingly, but they, they end up where Abomination in Greenspring are announcing, hey, everybody in the town You can get these things where You know, we'll give you this patch We'll do this stuff And you're going to feel better It's Gamma And and what you end up having Dion say Is that first, you know, you feel stronger You don't need to sleep right. uh, Things are healing better But eventually it takes its toll And you end up seeing the toll here in this purgatory Where this unused Gamma of these people are Is kind of just around in a zombie type form where you end up, but I, I laughed, it's almost like the zombie gamma construction crew. So when they get into town, they're kind of attacked. The way they spell it out is it's almost like white blood cells. Oh my God, here's an attack. They attack. And then afterwards, they just go back to work and they don't even know they're there. So it's there for a a fight, but then, you know, push it aside because we don't need it. Now, in the meantime, you have Charlene and... You know, pretty much the monstrosity of Rick Jones and Del Fry trying to figure out if even the Gamma Flight team's alive. Charlene does not have them on her scanners. She's freaking out. She's, don't panic. They got to be somewhere. Let's go. Now, in this, I got so angry with Charlene because you have Rick and Del trying to tell her that they feel the presence of the team. You know, through the gamma that they're part of, they can feel that they are still alive. Charlene keeps acting like she's the adult in the room, and Rick and Dell are the little kids who keep, "Mommy, mommy, hey, mom's busy." Keeps pushing them aside in such a really snobby, looking down on them way, like an aloof way. Because you end up, I, I feel, and she, this is the first time. This goes on to, tw- I, I feel not now, Rick. This is bad. Like, get out of here. And then later, I, I feel, please, please, I know. I know you don't feel good. I don't have time for this, Rick. It just keeps getting like, come on. Listen to them. Listen to what they're saying. Finally, Dell freaks out and says, no, listen. Two of us here and it's hard. And I like this because we've had Dell and Rick in the Immortal Hulk book and then into this one. Where I just always joke, they're a monstrosity. They're always there. Oh my God, look at them. They're terrible. This really finally gives you, you know, some feels for what they're going through. And Del, right. He says, two of us here and it's hard, hard to find words, hard to think, hard all the time. So, so when he talks, you need to, to listen. Rick, he knows things. He, he knows things, but it's hard. And then just kind of sits down. Del's there like sitting down, like exhausted. Just trying to get that sentence out to her Who and Oh my god, I'm sorry, I didn't know What do you have to tell me, Rick? And he says, I can feel them Out there, they, they're alive That's all he wanted to say, they're alive But it's, it's such a struggle Because of that connection that they have That they're sharing that body Sharing the whole deal going on And finally she gets the deal And then is able to calm them down With a stress ball and things like that Where they can actually help out now, and that's cool because they've kind of just been on the side just <laughs> yelling things. But you also get some feels too. Once they can talk a little, you do see that Dell is very, very sad and very concerned for his dad. What is my dad doing right now? Does he know that I'm still alive? Does he know I'm this crazy monstrosity? Whatnot? And and it is sad. And so hopefully I don't know how or what you're gonna end up being able to have Dell continue on. You know, I, I believe they'll, you know, separate Rick and him, but He's kind of worse for wear and whatnot, but that sets up the kind of sad deal and the feels with that. When we go back to the team, they end up where Dion, knowing the landscape of this town, they end up going into this warehouse and they patch it up. She uses her stockpile powers and patches it up, and they're just trying to figure out what they can do. Through this whole thing, absorbing, man's like, oh, my God, it was my fault. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. is like, listen, nobody likes a whiner. Stop. They're trying to say it's not your fault. Puck's trying to just figure things out uh, with all of this. And then what happens is there's kind of a like trap door in the floor opens up. And up comes this crazy gamma mutate zombie type deal. But the big thing is in the middle of it. You have General Reginald Fourteen of Shadow Base, a big character in the Immortal Hulk. This is when you have Dion flip out, start screaming, "You sick bastard, you use me, you use me!" And what the problem is is number one that's her father right that, that she is Dion fourteen so that's the big reveal, but also they realize that you know General Fourteen is not in the driver's seat. This is Abomination messing with them and things like that. And that really, really pisses off Stockpile. She wants to take it to the streets. She is pissed. Well, with that then, and again, what I said was it's very abrupt then by the end. Because once you see General 14 in this Gamma Mutant, his neck is snapped. His head when he, he ended up getting his neck snapped. It's twisted all the way around. It's horrific. And so what ends up happening is you almost have him trying to break through. Dion, I'm sorry. I love you, whatever. But before they, they can get that exchange, you end up having the teleport boom. They teleport out and you find out that Rick and Dell have been able to kind of hook into the teleporter to get a connection to the gamma flight team through the gamma and ends up bringing them out. But it's, it's very like all of a sudden. So you're going through these things, you have some moments Oh my god, you know, General 14, look And then it's like, boom, we're back, hey everybody You're alive, that's great, let's get ready to go And then you have Dion say, listen, I don't care if you're criminals I don't care if you guys are jerks I'm with you because they're screwing with me They ended up screwing with my dad Somebody is using my dad's face, I'm with you, let's go And you end up with a nice little ending of this like, alright, here we go We're going to go kick some butt And, you know, take some names So I like that, and I like I actually like Stockpile I like, you know, Dion And that kind of elevates her in this whole deal And actually does, like, again Her father is General Fortina Base And she might be somebody who Would normally go against the Hulks And things like that But because of her situation For what she was led to believe she would get. And now she is a monstrosity herself. And her dad's being used like. Let's go. Let's go take it to the streets and go. And it's a nice ending with that. But still. Like I said. This felt very Immortal Hulk more than Gamma Flight. Which again. That's not that much of an insult. It's just that I was really enjoying this book. And it it felt like it was. You know. Obviously part of the Immortal Hulk landscape. But it was doing it some. This one felt more like. Okay, if you didn't read Immortal Hulk, you're going to be completely lost. Uh, but even then, it's still just a setup issue. You kind of meander in that town a little, the purgatory gamma stuff. But at the end, I was pumped. In the end, I'm, I'm ready for issue number four. So overall, I'm going to give it a 7.8 out of 10. And that is down from what I've been going, but I still am pretty positive. The art is is beautiful. It's really good. And the colors pop. I read all my stuff. Digitally on, on my tablet And boy they popped But So with that though I'm going to go off to the next book Which is a book That I, I want to like And I want to I Like it like everyone else Is basically what I'm going to say Because it is Iron Man It's Iron Man 11 And boy I look at the reviews And, and everybody thinks this is a perfect book But yet every time I read it The story itself Always feels too surface level And never gets to You know, the the underneath The gritty stuff of it It's just kind of like thrown in Oh my god, Tony He's getting back to Having an addiction problem But you never really see it play out It's mentioned But you don't see it play out And then you end up with this whole idea Hey, he's on a planet And he doesn't know where he is Nobody does But he's kind of like Being able to settle into this Nice, idyllic world where he doesn't have to be Iron Man But then he does have to be Iron Man And then at the end he's just in one of the most like forced ways Just boom, he ends up being teleported out But we'll get into that right now And Iron Man number 11 is written by Christopher Cantwell Art by Angel Anzueta Colors by Frank D'Armada And letters by V.C. Joe Caramagna Korvac resurrected in an android body Which we saw in last week's Defenders Seeks to boost his powers to godlike levels by stealing cosmic energies from Tatu Galactus's world ship. Iron Man assembled a collective team of heroes, including Hellcat, to pursue him off-planet. While en route in space, Iron Man was mysteriously teleported away to an alien planet inhabited by individuals from across the galaxy. There, they have managed to form a peaceful community overseen by Tony's old foe, the Stiltman. But their tranquil existence is threatened by the planet's native inhabitants, a band of rampaging Ultimos. Tony has pledged to protect his new compatriots, even as he's grown addicted to the morphine drip built into a suit, meant to help heal him from his recent injuries at Corvex's hands. Now, I already said it, but I'll go into more detail about this. The idea that... Christopher Cantwell really plays off like that school of writing like a Tom King. He wants to give you the man inside the armor. This isn't just Iron Man. He's focusing more on Tony Stark. Now that's the catchphrases. That is the description that I see his fans saying. But when I read the book, all I'm seeing a bunch of times is surface level nonsense where I'm being told something, but never shown. Now, as an example, You ended up having the last issue and with the Ultimo attack and you ended up having Yar, the second in command, end up dying with a bunch of other people in the book. Now, they're burying them in the beginning of this issue. Now, remember, the reason they seemed to die was because Tony was hemming and hauling that he hadn't used the chest beam in a while. I haven't used that in a hot minute. Oh, really? Well, maybe you should use it. I don't know. I don't know if that's, oh, no, they're dead. Like He was pretty much discussing it with Avro X while people were getting eaten by an Ultimo, giant Ultimo robot, right? So with that, though, if you're going to give me this idea that Tony is addicted to the morphine drip and he's overdoing it, why not instead of, oh, really, the the chest beam? You think that? Oh man, this discussion. Instead of that, have Avro X say, Tony, come on, we got to get going, we got to do this. And Tony is not on the top of his game, including the idea you're on a morphine drip, you're slowed down, you're tired, all these things. So why not make it? Give us some real big repercussions, give us some really big things that are going to happen that Tony really, like, oh my God, what's going on here? I, I'm, I'm not on my game because of this morphine. And have the others even realized, like, the idea that he's too slow and he couldn't react quick enough because of this morphine. You, like, the idea of this morphine deal never plays out except when it's told to him by Hellcat of the mind who says, oh, I see that you you shut down the governor switch there and you're just going full out morphine. How high are you, Tony? Very. Th- that's all you get. I don't see any point where Tony is slowed down or anything of the sort. And that's what gets me with Christopher Cantwell, especially in this book. I see the catchphrases. I see the concept of, man, this is really Tony and not Iron Man. Well, well, it's not. You're on this planet here, Amellus, and you don't know where it is. We have no idea what not. And it's supposed to be set up where Tony realizes, you know, maybe I could stay here. This seems great. Now, you get this threat of the Ultimos. You, you never really explain it. And then after they bury everyone and Tony goes to both Avro, X, and Stiltman and says, listen, let, let's take it to the streets. Let's get back there. Let's end up to let's take down the Ultimos. But if we can take down them, this is really paradise. I mean, there'll be no threats. Nobody will die again. And Stiltman just says, well, I kind of think that the Ultimos are good, you know, because they band together everyone. Everybody has a common enemy in those, so they do serve their purpose. Right there, you're like, yep, Stiltman's doing this. I mean, it's so surface level. Like, if you didn't think that right away, I don't know, because I'm like, oh, my God, there's Stiltman. Now, with all of that, you end up having Tony Look into it he gets attacked by Avro X who's kind of his buddy on This even more than Stiltman Stiltman's Running the place Avro X And Tony have kind of buddy buddy they end Up fighting for a second Until Tony discovers oh my God this Ultimo has A remote control that I know that Stiltman Did he's the one who Put it on there and so They're like okay Avro X just completely Flip-flops then it's like all right I'm down with You we're going to go. Now, in the meantime, you have you know Stiltman. He is doing this and then explains it to Tony, saying, well, I kind of wanted this village to stay small because if it's small, I end up being able to control it. I'm the leader. They look up to me. If it gets too big, somebody else is going to be the leader and whatnot. But then he also says that he was the one who brought Tony there. He was there, but never really explained well, but he says he brought – Why, if you're so concerned about being a leader, he says that he wanted Tony to see how good he's doing. You are bringing in one of the heads of the Avengers. You're bringing a guy who has led, the, and yet you're so concerned about somebody stepping on your toes to lead, but then you bring him in? That makes no sense. Plus... The idea where he has to get rid of people because it gets too big. You're the one bringing them there. He admits that. And again, it's there as the surface level. Oh, Stiltman, I understand what you're doing. You almost think that you're supposed to have feels for old Stiltman. The idea, well, you're a piece of crap, but I understand. You, you just want to win one time. You want to be the winner. You want to be the leader, but you're setting things up. And again, why bring Tony in? Just to have them see how good you're doing Seriously you can get by Without that just But Hellcat of the mind When she comes in says to Tony listen This whole plan with Korvac. We have no idea where you are you don't know Where you are we're going to have to stop them You know you're not here we're going to have to Go and do that ourselves And, and you end Up and again this is where I get The idea of a Tom King S Deal like a bat cat thing Where Hellcat's doing All the work and then ends up Pretty much having the idea that Tony is a sad sack down on his luck dude Where a Hellcat can then come in and yell at him more <laughs> And kick him when he's down Because he ends up, no, 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 you can't go after Corva. If you do and die, I'll never forgive myself And Patsy says, well, it's not up to you And plus, why is everything all about you? We're doing this for us It has nothing to do with you We're heroes, we're going to decide to do this So, you know, stop your selfishness and then, hey, are you high? Very. And, and you get like, a, a you know, the, the sad sack Tony who sits down. Oh, my God. I'm so high on the morphine. And I don't know what to do. She ends up saying, you got to stop this morphine or you're going to die. We're never going to see you again. But, again, let me see more than just, I'm very high. Show me when he's cut. Because after Hellcat says, all right, our sucker. I'm going to go get the team. We're going to go take it to Korvok. Tony just jumps up now and gets up and then goes and looks for the Ultimo robot. And that's where he finds out that it's remote control. He ends up with Avro X where they do then go and confront Stiltman. And that's when he says, oh, I just want to be the leader. I can't believe it. And they, they fight for a little. But this is the crazy deal about this issue. Things just happen. Things just happen to happen. Because you end up Stiltman is fighting Avro X and Tony's doing a pretty good job, too. It's a little bit of an extended fight. And then when you end up being able to knock down Stiltman and say, you know, why reprogram these Ultimos? Well, he already told you earlier when they just get done burying the bodies. Well, they they kind of give us, you know, an enemy, a common enemy, and everybody gets along, whatnot. And he expands with the idea of, you know, the village gets too big. I have to take care of people. In the meantime, all of a sudden you have the whole village come with pitchforks and, and torches. They, they are there to take. Stiltman, how? How did they know this? They they loved the guy two seconds ago. Just because this fight's going on, you end up having him show up. And this is the end of this. It's so forced by the end to then take Stiltman away. Tony says to Avro, I say, hey, Colin, what, what's going on? Are they going to kill him? Eh, who knows? You know, alien planet justice it is. But he does say, well, there's been a lot of killing. It's so funny, the idea where he says, There's been so much killing and so much death that I don't think they'll kill him. I'm like, no, no, no. I think they will now. I think that death is leading to him being ripped apart eight ways from Sunday. So then what's going to happen now? You end up having Hellcat and the team back, you know, going to take on Corvac. Oh, my God. Tony does not know where he is. This village is now turned into the purge. Uh, What are you going to do? And what you're going to do is nothing. Because you're just going to wait here. And in such a forced deal, the living tribunal, Adam Warlock, shows up and goes, Hey, Tony, you're needed. Yeah, I'm going to teleport you out. I'm going to teleport you to Galactus' ship. Because if we end up having Korvac do this stuff, the crap hits the fan. And I'm like, really? This is how we're ending this. (laughs) We're ending this whole story with Pitchfork Purge. All right, we're taking you, Stiltman, even though we loved you two seconds ago. And really, I don't know how we heard that you're bad, but here we go. And then all of a sudden, Living Tribunal, who's like Tony Stark. Is a, oh, my God, he knows my name. <laughs> really? But are you, a fanboy? And so with that, the only thing that I like is Avril X goes, hey, can I come with you? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And And this is where, again, if you're reading this, do me a favor. And every time... Avro says, Colin Richard every time He says a only Because he's Canadian and that's What you know he end up having Christopher Cantwell thinks he's got to throw these In every time he says a think of Me and laugh because that's what I was Doing and and I just thought as I'm Doing this I'm thinking of all the different Like you know characters that are From different countries and how I Could write them now so over The top like that and I, I want to have a British Character just you know hello love just Says that constantly that's that's my catchphrase. My mom's British, so I end up she she used to say that a lot. I'd get up in the morning, Hello, love. I'm like, who are you talking to? Because you don't love me. I haven't felt no love here. Fresh in a drink, governor. <laughs> but yeah, by the end I'm like, What? What happened? I mean, they ended up where <laughs> Stiltman had taken away perch uh, and and <laughs> The idea that the Living Tribunal just is the thing that is the MacGuffin To get them out of this planet Which we never found out where it was or whatnot And in the, in the end, the big thing too is I can imagine what's going on Because they are probably just about to kill Stiltman At the last second, Tony says to the Living Tribunal Hey, by the way, if I'm going to go and stop Korvac, If I'm going to go to Galactus' the ship right now What you're going to have to do for me Is to get everybody on this planet Back to their homes And you know Adam Warlock's like Okay I'll do that Now with that Some of these people have been living on this planet This unknown planet for a very long time And this is the stuff This is the stuff that a lot of times With Christopher Campbell It was like last issue I had a bunch of problems with Where I don't think he thinks things through enough Because these people have been living together There are probably people who are from different planets That have fallen in love and are now, you know, a couple. Nope, they're back to their normal planets. Because he said, send them back to their normal, you know, their homes. You have people who might want to stay. They have a a place here. They they have a life here. Even Tony at points was trying to, you know, stay. Please go out and ask them. Say to Living Tribunal, listen, the people who want to go home, maybe ask them and if they say yes, go. But please ask them because I think some people have started new lives here and now you're just going to go. And I only think that... If this plays out too, they're about to behead Stoltman. He just gets sent back to Earth, so he's back to just being Stoltman and we will never hear about it again. He'll end up like, "Ooh, man, remember that? You know, hot weekend, that lost weekend when I was leading that that village. That was cool." But yeah, with this, it, it's just at the end, just to reset. Like, there's there's no reason I have to reset. There's no reason Tony, who really was only in this village, doesn't even know anybody, like a week. He ends up Abro-X and, and Stiltman, we're the only people he met, but he's going to end up talking for all of them and just uprooting them again. I mean, it is like the idea of being uprooted twice now. You were somewhere, you got teleported to the planet. All right, I'll make do with this, we'll get going, whatever. Oh no, I'm back to my home, what, what am I doing here? So yeah, it kind of just made me giggle. By the end but at the end you end up Having Avro X say hey I want to go with you Tony what well, you really Want to go hey I don't have much To do eh? look At me I'm from the Canada's that's how I think Everybody in Canada talks is that a is show? That's how Brandon talks hey I'm a friend <laughs> Every, oh, Suddenly it's French ca- Canadian uh, hey What's a going on in the Canada's I don't know, but now I want to go and fight the Korvok. Oh, okay, Avril X. You want to come with me, you know, right? Hey, yes, I do. Let's go and go and get on the ship of the Galactus. And then they end up getting, you know, teleported in there. It's a pretty cool deal. They're real small. We're like ants in this uh, ship. I sound like, if if anybody even knows, the. I sound like Guido Sartucci. (laughs) Ah, see, that's the fun. That's the fun of the comics here when it's now 329 AM. Intruder alert. We've tripped the intruder alert, Tony. Eh? What are we gonna do? Let me go get the back bacons and possibly play some hockey. No, Ebrox, we we gotta go get Corva. Oh no! It's the intruder alert you set off. I'm gonna go and get a coffee over at the Tim Hortons. I am. I'll get you a donut, Tony. <laughs> Tony's like, no, no, I, I got the heroin here. Oh, look at you! What are you from the Seattles? There you go. This it writes itself. It really does. But by the end of this, I, I still these two the two issues pretty much with this. I like the concept. There wasn't enough room for it, and it was real surface level, all of that said and done. I'm still going to give it a six 6.7, yeah six point seven six point seven. okay, hey, what's that? A score? You give it, you jerk. I can almost go to a seven. it's just it's so forced the way that it ends with that, and and still, like I said, I needed to see things, not be told, not be told, oh my God, Tony, look at him with this morphine. really. I don't see any difference. Maybe that's why he's always on the morphing. But with all of that, that is it. That is it for the podcast. (laughs) Getting a little goofy here in the wee hours of the night. I hope everybody enjoyed this. Please go over to the Twitters. Go to the Twitters. W.S. Marvel Comics. Follow us. We'll follow you back 100%. Also, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Science. where this week, the Patreon-only spotlight podcast was the Kang the Conqueror number one and Black Cat number nine? So, if you want to listen to those talking with Brandon and Clay, you can go over through there the Patreon. All those links are in the show notes. And also, I I say I don't say it a lot. Now, I'm not one to to beg, you know, ain't too proud to beg, ah. Uh, but the idea, you know, if you like the podcast, please go and rate and review it. That helps everything out, gets everybody, you know, more people involved and stuff like that. So, with all of that, eh. I'm going to get going. Thanks, everybody, and I'll talk to you later.